0: tuned in to 2mfm radio on 92.1fm muslim community radio i'd like to welcome all our listeners who are tuned in either via 92.1fm or 2mfm.org live streaming or via our 2mfm radio application It's good to be back to accompany you on another episode of Keeping Up with the Current. Behind the mic, this is Nadia Zaher. Hope you're all doing well today. In today's episode, I'll be talking about the barriers that vulnerable and marginalized Australians face that prevent them from being able to access affordable dental services. While there are certainly people in this country who are able to access oral health care, there is a disproportionate number of underserved and vulnerable populations who cannot, and that's due to numerous and complex barriers. Today I'll be speaking with Margie Stephens, OIM, who is the DHAA Chair of Special Needs Dentistry an Academic at Adelaide University and Program Director of the Community Outreach Dental Programme Today, she'll be addressing some of the factors that prevent vulnerable Australians from accessing dental services, some of the repercussions of that, and uh, what she has been doing to curb that problem. Well, there's been a lot of improvement in Australia's oral health, but not all Australians have equal access to these improvements. A significant portion of vulnerable Australians, especially those from marginalised groups, have worse oral health as a result of the barriers they continue to face. Many times the lack of access to oral health care results in delayed diagnosis, untreated oral diseases and conditions compromised health status and occasionally even death. Lack of affordability is also one of the main reasons why many Australians refuse to go to the dentist. In fact, experts estimate that Australians who can't afford dental treatment number in the hundreds of thousands. But what is being done to curb this silent epidemic? Well, a woman's realisation of how huge the gap was with marginalised populations led her to establish a clinic for homeless and marginalised people in the Adelaide CBD. She's Margie Stephens, OAM, the DHAA Chair of Special Needs Dentistry. She's an academic at Adelaide University and Program Director of the Community Outreach Dental Program. She has a lot to say about the disparities in access to oral care in marginalised populations and what she's been doing, I guess, to improve the access to necessary dental care. So we will be hearing from Margie Steffens in just a few moments, so stick around and stay tuned. So to talk about the barriers to accessing necessary dental health by vulnerable and marginalised people, I'm on the phone now with the DHAA Chair of Special Needs Dentistry, Miss Margie Stephens-OAM. She's an experienced dental hygienist and an academic at the Adelaide Dental School. Margie, pleasure to have you on Tom FM.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Nadia. I look forward to chatting with you.
0: Look, research has shown that members of our community, especially from disadvantaged and vulnerable groups, encounter significant obstacles when it comes to maintaining good oral health. Who are some of the groups who tend to have greater oral health problems due to the barriers they come across in accessing dental services?
1: Okay. So through the clinic that we operate through the Adelaide Dental School, We see a lot of people who don't have a health care card. They're not Australian citizens. They might be new arrivals to Australia. They might be people who are working poor, people that are on a fairly marginal income and are unable to access public dental care and neither can they afford private dental care. So it covers a very uh, diverse group of people you know, from, um, it's nothing to do with education, um, academic education or schooling. For a lot of these folk, it's life circumstances and becoming disenfranchised.
0: There is a lot of commonality that exists between them in terms of the barriers that each of those groups face. But what tends to stand out the most between them, I think, is the barrier of cost and affordability, which keeps them from seeking the treatment that they need. So these people refuse to go to the dentist, not because they fear the drill, but they fear the bill. Yes. <laughs> what can you tell us about that?
1: So with regard to affordability for a lot of these folk, um, if, for example, we've been seeing a lot of international students who have been stranded here because of COVID last year, unable to go back home, they're stuck really, as we say, between a rock and a hard place. I'm addressing this group mm. um, primarily because I think it highlights we have these well-educated young folk who are stranded. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult to get home. Their families don't have enough finance to support them over here and a lot of them who were you know doing a little bit of part-time work have been unable to access that anymore. Mm. So they're left in a spot where they have no disposable income at all. That's right. So yeah, so that's very difficult for them. So that that's the bill there.
0: That's right. There's then, a lot of obstacles yeah. faced by those people.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So um, our little clinic that we have at the dental school, we try and see them because it's a pro bono service that we provide there. But we're one clinic with two chairs and it's serviced by volunteers and uh, dental students. So Mm. that's that's one small area that, that helps a little bit. But it certainly doesn't cover the groups of people that are really... Uh, Perhaps fall through the cracks. Some people tend to just disappear because they, through for various reasons, perhaps pride, um, Mm. shame. For a lot of folk, that they can't afford to have dental care, so they leave. Um, So that becomes a very difficult situation. There. Then we have, um, as I said, the working poor. Mm. as well to really get stuck
0: with that. That's right. And what about Mm. people with special needs? They are also among the most underserved uh, dental patient groups around the world. What are some of the most difficult barriers to oral health care that patients with special needs encounter? I mean, do they find it very difficult to locate a dentist that's willing to treat these complex patients?
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's having the knowledge of how to treat them Mm. as well um, because of the the varying needs in there. I mean, there are various services within the public sector, but again, you either have to have a healthcare card or be able to pay uh, a a certain amount of the payment yourself. Mm. So that can be quite prohibitive. There are services and support through some of the agencies, for example, the Salvation Army. They may help people out with fee waivers. But it's still for, it's still interesting for people to try and negotiate these systems and trying to find someone who can advocate for them, I think, mm. is the bigger issue. And when you couple disability or special needs with someone who is a non-Australian citizen or someone who doesn't have a health care car, it becomes increasingly difficult. And that's that's quite a large barrier. And understanding mm. the systems, and the systems are complex. That's
0: right. I mean, for, oh, how you accessing? for the majority of Australians, accessing general health care is easily accessible through Medicare, but that's not the same with dental care. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people cannot access the dental health services that they need is because dental visits aren't covered by Medicare. Why aren't all dental treatments
1: covered by Medicare? (laughs) Oh, that's a a very big question and it's under discussion at the moment and I know uh, certainly the Australian Dental Association, the Dental Hygiene Association are putting some proposals forward to try and investigate this. And I do believe they're trying to move forward with uh, the government to look at ways that this could be implemented as part of Medicare. And I think it's looking at the costing and what that might mean Mm. for the public purse and what it will mean for individuals. And, I mean, we're sort of talking along the idea of... It's not. It shouldn't be dissimilar to when you go to your GP. For example, you go to your GP, they see you for your basic checkup, your basic care, but we still pay a gap for most of us. Mm. You know, for most of us that are working, we still pay a gap for that Medicare. But it's conceivable that there could be some basic services that would be made eligible through Medicare. Mm, exactly. This is sort of a work in progress. So we might say, look, you know, a basic checkup, a clean, some good preventive care, which I think is critical, is mm. getting that education there and linking the medical with the dental um, in an appropriate way because we do know that there are all sorts of things that can go wrong medically with poor dental and oral health. Exactly. Correlation. The evidence is clearly there and we all know about it, but it just needs to be put forward in a manner that, um, I guess, addresses it so people are better educated and understand, you know, right through from their GP to their dental professional
0: Mm.
1: about these correlations and we should be encouraging that. So if we're looking at it more as a medical idea, perhaps. That it comes under Medicare and things like a basic checkup, prevention, scale and clean, simple fillings, and necessary extractions would come under that. And the same as when you go to your GP, you have your specialists that you get referrals to for very specific targeted treatments. Exactly. And, it could, and that's when you, your private health cover kicks in. So, you know, we need to have a tiered system that is equitable. Exactly. For everybody and so that would then if I can go back to our international students who are here they get covered for Medicare for their medical services but not for dental
0: mm-hmm.
1: so if that you know looking at that population I think it's very high in my mind because I, I teach and uh, we've been getting lots of referrals for these folk coming in and it's really highlighted to me clearly that it doesn't make any sense at all not to have that covered not just for these young folk but for the general population primarily.
0: Exactly Um, I mean it makes sense to have basic oral Healthcare services covered by Medicare because we hear time and time again that prevention is better than cure. So, we would be able to prevent the onset of expensive dental intervention by simply getting regular preventative care, like regular checkups and cleanups. But for a lot of people, they only see a dentist when the situation looks life threatening. And even then, in those situations, there are numerous people in our community who cannot even access dental essential dental services when they have a life threatening situation. It does make sense to have preventative health care that's accessible through Medicare to prevent the onset of those debilitating oral health conditions.
1: That's absolutely true. And it would prevent a lot of these <coughs> unnecessary hospitalizations because of an emergency um, you know, from uh, a dental abscess, for example, which mm. can then drain into the lungs, it can drain to the heart. Um, people yeah. can get a brain abscess from things like that. It, it's really very, very serious. Exactly. And, you know, we need to look at uh, improving health literacy, I think, for the general population as a very holistic um target you know instead of just talking about diabetes by itself you need to talk about it's not just about uh sugar control and um healing the healing aspect also impacts on dental healing too so let's get, head back on the body
0: Exactly. A lot of people don't realise that the mouth is a mirror of the body. So if you have an infection in the mouth, it can spread to other parts of the body. So poor oral health can lead to health complications outside of the mouth, like, as you mentioned, diabetes and heart disease. So there there needs to be, I guess, a shift in the way people think, you know. A shortfall of dental care does lead to greater health problems. I mean, there are a lot of people who assume that the problem will just go away. But leaving dental issues untreated can escalate. What is the worst that can happen, Maggie, when emergency dental needs are ignored? What's the worst that can potentially happen? You can lose
1: all your teeth. You can end up with what we call a bacterial endocarditis. So it's an inflammation around the heart, which can cause cause permanent damage there mm, mm, because mm. of an untreated bacterial infection in the mouth. There's also the psychological impact of pain and poor appearance. So people's behaviour changes when they're in pain. I mean if we all think back to when we might have had a bad headache or A sprained ankle or broken arm or something and that pain is constantly with you and you imagine pain in your head all Mm. the time you you can't sort of remove yourself from it at any time and it has a tremendous psychological impact absolutely on on how people respond to the world you know you see incredible changes it affects your quality of of
0: life and and the negative (laughs) impacts of poor dental health do go well beyond just having bad teeth and as you said it's psychological it affects employment and well-being. Yes Yes, there are direct treatment costs but there are also many hidden and unexpected costs of poor oral health I mean what I find very sad is that there are so many young people who suffer from dental problems and that leads them to not being able to chew properly and being unemployable because their mouth looks so terrible you know they're deprived of achieving their full potential because of the dental issues that they are experiencing and these are young people that we're talking about you know they haven't experienced life yet you know already early on in their life they are suffering from mental health issues as a result of their problems you know people are bullying them because of how they look they're not being employed because of how they look.
1: right. We had one young man that came into the clinic as an example of that psychological pain that's going on. He was losing jobs. He was unemployed. Mm. um, Relationships had broken down. And he said he'd gotten to the point where he felt like banging his head against the wall to actually relieve that pain. And uh, he had his, his... work done, yeah. and he just said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how different I feel, and we spoke to him a few months later, and he said, look, I've got a job again now. Uh, I'm feeling happier. I don't feel as irritable. Mm. Um, so his whole... So his appearance was improved. Yeah. He was employable. His whole relationships, his socialisation improved because he could actually... Uh, he was out of pain, and I believe we can go a long way uh, if we look at some better, better methodologies and and cost. You know, we have to look at the cost to society financially, but the cost socially to society when people are. Um, not able to get work and don't feel like they're functioning members of society. And so we need to really very carefully decide how we're going to manage that through some better access for dental care.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's about time that we think about, you know, innovative ways of making sure that people especially vulnerable people in our community are able to access the dental services they need because at the end of the day it's it's affecting the quality life of people and so society won't thrive if people's mental health are at stake and people's physical health are at stake. Now A lot of people from the Middle Eastern community are known to go overseas to have things like implants and veneers because they simply can't afford having it done in Australia. A lot of people don't realise that there are ramifications of doing that. So what can you tell us about the ramifications of having your teeth fixed overseas?
1: Okay, gosh. That's a really complex thing, but we hear a lot about what we talk about call uh, dental vacations, where people go overseas for a holiday. I think there are um, for example, let's let's look at implants. Mm. They need very careful maintenance, they need um, a good period of time from the beginning through to the actual completion of it, where, You know, putting an implant in isn't just like screwing something in. You have to look at the person's general health, Mm. their lifestyle, all the risk factors, and you need time for those basic implants that are into the bone to heal yeah. before you load them up mm, and mm. what happens is that people go over there overseas they get them done with bang um, in a week mm. so they have them you know the, <laughs> unrealistic the <surgery>. expectations oh, <laughs> and then they come back here and they end up with a dreadful infection around them that's the risk yeah and then they're at risk of losing them wow and so it's not, it's not a simple thing at all and I, I do wish people would, would think carefully that loading those implants up immediately mm. can be really quite disastrous and they really need a very experienced clinician exactly. to actually assess them. So the assessment process is critical.
0: Mm.
1: The follow-up afterwards is critical and regular maintenance is critical yeah. and what will happen is that there will be a lot of dentists who will not feel happy about following up on someone else's work when they're not really sure about the materials they've used and if things we're going to do are going to be compatible with what they've had done overseas so it's, it's a huge risk it is a huge and I, risk if, and I can think of a number of people that I've seen over the years that where we've had to remove their veneers and their crowns because they've been so poorly done and then they get recurrent decay underneath the existing teeth because they've not been sealed off properly. So mm. there, there are some places overseas that do a very good job too, but I think people need to do their homework very, very carefully and find out who they're going to see, where they're going to see them, where that person has obtained their Credentials and qualifications, and that they give the proper due diligence to assessing that person's general health and their risk factors very, very carefully before they're done. So I'm always very nervous when people mm. tell me, I'm going overseas to get that done. And go, ah. That's
0: right. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people tend to just choose the shortcut, um, uh-huh. but they don't realise that the standard of care and medical education is not the same in all countries. So if things go wrong, uh, things can get costly and complicated. So sourcing yeah. the same materials to replace an implant, for instance, uh, can be difficult if the materials were sourced in Thailand, let's say. So, And there are other examples like when an implant or crown breaks, you know, maybe our lab repairs it for free, but if they weren't sourced here, the laboratory has to charge. So there Correct. are a lot of added charges, unexpected out-of-pocket costs that people don't tend to realise um, might just pop up. So, right. so you'd agree as a professional that going overseas to seek dental services is a calculated risk. You know, you might be saving yourself money at the beginning, but down the track, you most likely will be inundated with costly and stress-inducing expenses. You know, I I really wanted to address this topic because it's something that's very common uh, within the Middle Eastern community for them to go overseas primarily for the purpose of seeking dental treatment because they cannot afford it here in Australia.
1: Yes, and look, sometimes the options, and I've, I've, I've come to realise that cultural norms play a very big uh, part in how we address these issues with people because how we see dentistry here and how it's perceived and addressed in some other countries mm. is, is very different. You know, here it's more a conversation between the dental professional and the patient, whereas In some overseas countries, and you've highlighted some of the Middle Eastern countries that people will go in and say, "I want this done." The dentist or person will say, "Oh yes, I'll do that for you." And then they come back here, and we say, "Oh gosh, no, we can't do that for you because of this, this, and this." And so it creates such a disparity between Mm. understandings. And I think that's one of the biggest issues is that we as dental professionals need to understand about the cultural norms and acceptances of mm. people from other countries but they also need in turn to be educated about this is not in your best interest and i i know it's very frustrating for them when we say to people i'm sorry we can't do that for you because it's not going to work but why can't you do that because mm. you know i can go overseas and get it done well right at your own risk
0: that's right it is a calculated risk but there are people who are willing to take that risk mm-hmm. however based on the experiences that they hear from other people they end up changing their minds about it you know a lot of the times they will be given the information that okay you get whatever you need to have done overseas but anytime that you have an issue you know after coming back to Australia if you have an issue with whatever work they did your dentist here will refuse to touch it because there has been work done by someone overseas and that is a massive problem so you're left with having to actually go back overseas which is costly uh, to get that fixed again so you might as well just live overseas or
1: or stay here and and get what is perceived to be the more expensive treatment done. Exactly. But know that you'll get the maintenance and you'll get the follow-up. And the thing is, if something goes wrong here, they're obliged uh, to to follow that through yep. and to help you work through the issues exactly. that are around that.
0: Yep. Look, Margie, yeah. for a lot of people, they refuse to go to the dentist in fear of... The out-of-pocket expenses, I mean, you do get, you know, told that, okay, this is going to cost this much, but then the dentist discovers there are more issues that need to be solved, um, and then there's more added costs. How important is it for dentists to be transparent with pricing and treatment plans? Why is it important for them to properly explain to the patient the potential costs right at the beginning? Why is it important?
1: Then it's, you know, most dentists, that I know of will do that. They'll sit down and talk about the treatment Mm. plan, treatment. And really what people should look for is a dentist who offers options to them because one size doesn't fit all. And Mm. I think the most important thing is for people to find someone who they can sit down with and say, look, I really can't afford that now. And then to work through with the dentist about the other options that may work for the time being. So sometimes we need a an interim measure, mm. and as I was saying, most really good dentists will do that with a patient and say, look, today, this is the ideal treatment and this is how much it will cost. This is the other that we can do to help you get through uh, and still maintain functionality and aesthetics, good appearance, etc. Um, but long-term, it may... It may need replacement or something, and then we can do this. So I believe it's becoming much more um, important, and certainly when we're teaching students now, it's about consent. Informed consent is a critical thing where you have to explain everything, and we're obliged by law Mm. and through uh, the governing bodies of the dental board and APRA. To to be absolutely transparent, and that it is a reportable offence if someone has not been clear and has not gained appropriate consent. So mm. um, we we're very fortunate. I mean, there's always problems. You know, you in every bunch of people, you'll get someone who maybe doesn't do the right thing. But for the most part, you find that most we, we're pretty fortunate being here in that we do have laws mm. to to actually uh, protect the patient and also to protect the practitioner as well so that everybody needs to be very clear and transparent about um, their decisions and mm. their treatment options.
0: Because yeah. I guess for a lot of people they would assume that, you know, this dentist is running a business at the end of the day so yeah. his motive is financial gain basically so they see it in that way for that reason the dentist might not be transparent with that patient because that patient might not be educated enough to understand the circumstances
1: exactly right yeah and that's that's always tricky too when people um, don't have the know-how or the access or the advocacy to Mm -hmm. be able to to sort of sort things out for themselves but that's where we have um, you know, like there's the dental associations that people can ring up and say, Look, I'm, I've been to see a particular dentist. I'm not happy. Can you recommend someone yeah. that I could go and see? I would like to get a second opinion. And mm. every person is, is absolutely entitled to. A second opinion if they have any doubts at all. Fabulous, fabulous. So you're the
0: program director of the community outreach dental program that provides free essential dental care for some of Adelaide's most vulnerable and marginalized people including the homeless, drug addicts and very low income earners. So tell us about this community outreach program that you're a part of and how effective has it been in providing essential dental care for
1: those who have difficulty accessing it? Well this is our 10th year that we have been in operation and thus far we have survived pretty much on grants and funding from the community. The university supports us um, and we work in conjunction with Housing Choices Australia mm. part of the Adelaide part of the Australian branch of Housing Choices and Common Ground which provides low cost affordable uh, accommodation for homeless people. Wow. Um so we work on a referral system we have volunteer dentists and we have all our dental and oral health and dental hygiene students are rostered through the clinic and they're supported and mentored by some of our really very experienced private dentists who give up their time to come in and tutor and supervise students in at the clinic. And we have a great collection of private dentists that if we can't do treatment for them there, I've got some really wonderful people who we contact and on a case-by-case basis and get them to see some of the more complex patients we're not able to manage there and I also have a good relationship with the Adelaide Dental Hospital so South Australian Dental Service they help us out with some of our very very complex patients and we can do a referral into them but of course they have to have a healthcare card Mm. but nonetheless it it does provide some source of support there so um, I like to look at it that we work in partnerships with a whole range of people and to help provide care for some of these really tricky patients to see Mm. uh, who may not get care otherwise so that's it in a nutshell
0: fabulous well it sounds absolutely Mm. amazing that there are services available um, out there to to provide uh, the services uh, that they need in our community. I mean, improving access to oral health care is a critical and necessary step to improving oral health outcomes and reducing disparities. And so, you know, it's really important for us to realise that you know, we can't simply just ignore those vulnerable people in our community. Yeah. We should make a change and develop new and innovative ways to help them access the services they need. So I really commend those who continue to volunteer their time to provide this valuable service.
1: Thank you very much, yes. Um, you know, volunteers, I think, are the heart and soul of, of such a lot of communities. Exactly,
0: exactly. Well, that's fabulous. Maggie Stephens OEM, I commend you for your hard work and dedication in serving the vulnerable and disadvantaged groups in the community. Thank you today for helping us understand the kind of barriers faced by vulnerable groups to accessing dental health. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on 2MFM Muslim Community Radio.
1: Thank you very much Nadia and you have obviously done your homework very well I'm very impressed, thank you so much <laughs> for the opportunity and your time
0: Thank you so much, pleasure <laughs> even though we finished school we still have some homework to do of course research is a part of our programming production initiatives of course there is so much research that has to be done to address these topics to you You just heard from Margie Stephens, lecturer, clinical tutor and founder and coordinator of a dental outreach program at the Adelaide Dental School University of Adelaide. She addressed the disparities in access to care in marginalised populations and what can be done to counteract that. So as you just heard, those from vulnerable and marginalised groups tend to have greater oral health problems compared to the general population, and that's predominantly due to the barriers they come across in accessing dental services. You know, a lot of people don't obtain the required and essential dental care because they sadly cannot afford it. And that's one of the main reasons why people don't visit the dentist. And that leads to a lot of untreated dental diseases. And as we know, those dental problems can actually escalate further and lead to problems in the body, including diabetes and heart disease. And it's really concerning because providing adequate oral health care to the most vulnerable populations is not being given the consideration or attention that it deserves. So we need to find ways of hopefully closing that gap. And Margie has been serving the community through the Outreach Dental Program that she has founded. Through that program, she's been able to provide essential dental health advice and care for a range of marginalised adults and young people. She's even helped people who were drug addicts, people who are poor, international students, refugees, migrants. So it's a fantastic initiative and hopefully we can develop more of those outreach programs to close the gap. a very very essential topic to discuss and uh, of course I highlighted something very important in that discussion with Maggie And that's in relation to those people who travel overseas to seek dental treatment. Of course, this is not something that is advised because this can pose numerous problems. And for those who were tuned in to that interview earlier on, uh, you would realise that this is not the right way to go because it can get very costly in the long run. Thank you tremendously for your company this afternoon and I hope to catch up with you on another fantastic episode of Keeping Up With The Current. Take care.